job. I'll tell you, when you come into this place, man, you can't help but feel God's spirit here. And uh, I so appreciate that. I do. Um, hey, we're going to be in Psalm 23 again, and we're going to continue in our series. But before we get there, uh, we introduced one thing last week. We were talking about our, our podcast. Um, and, um, and our podcast is, a, think of it as a radio program, or think of it as a sermon, um, our sermon series. But it's a way to get our sermons pumped straight to your phone. So that you don't have to go to our website, that you don't have to do anything. Um, so if you think of it like that, if you would like, hey, you know, so maybe when you're out, maybe when you miss, maybe when something's, um, you know, you're going on vacation, you still like to tune in, boom, right there on your phone, you get an update of our sermon, and it's pumped straight there, and you can listen to it just by simply hitting uh, play. But you have to do a few things before that. So if you're interested in that, and I'll, and I'll be honest, even if you're not interested, would you still sign up? You know, that'd still help us out. Uh, but would you take out your phones right now? And uh, some of you, I know we did this last week, and some of you, uh, some of you didn't. Some of you are like, Pastor, I, I have no idea what a podcast is. And I hear people like, I don't need that. I never miss church. Well, good for you. Maybe you need uh, something in your repertoire later. You want to come back and listen to something. Or say, hey, Pastor Ken said something. I'm not quite sure he's right. What did he say again? And then you can go back, you can listen to it all. Um, also, in the future, if you're a part of our podcast thing, we'll probably pump out some uh, daily devotionals or some Bible studies later on down the road. And so you'll be able to get bonus content. That's what I like this. You guys like bonus content, right? Some of you, all right, the two of you, yes. Um, so, uh, so if you go to your app on your phone that's a podcast, now I just have a couple of icons up there. Um, those are the most popular. The one on the far left is Apple, so if you have an iPhone, you're going to look for something like that. Um, that one is right next to it, the white one, that has the, uh, the multicolored little dots up and down, that's Google. Um, the one on the, the blue one is Amazon. And then also uh, the, green, the green one is Spotify. So if you have any of those. Um, also, there's a whole list of other ones that were on below that. So we're on iHeartRadio, Apple, Spotify, Google. Uh, we're on Amazon. We're on Stitcher, Archer, uh, Radio. I can't even read that. Radio Public, thank you. We're on CastBox. Cast we're on Pocket Cast. We're on Overcast, which is not a weather report. Uh, we're on Podcast Podcast Addict, which I know that's where most of you are at, right? Podcast Addicts. Uh, we're on Podman, and we're on TuneIn. I can't believe I read that from the back wall. I should have just turned there. It's so much clearer there. What am I doing? But if you go to one of those, and then uh, go to the next slide, and I did this right on my phone last night, so this is what an iPhone looks like. If you, if you tap on that icon, what you're going to want to do is go to the little search bar. There's a little um, magnifying glass. That, that's your search. It says search right on it. You're going to tap on your search, and then you're going you're gonna to type in Rogers Assembly. And so when you type on Rogers Assembly, and you do a search for it, it takes you to the next, let's go to the next slide. It takes you to something that looks like that. Uh, all these pop up, and so, um, so you want to look for our logo, the RA logo. Um, now, the one directly below that, the one that says Rogers FA, that's Rogers First Assembly in Arkansas. So if you want to tune into their sermons, go ahead, but, but we're at the top for a reason, I'm just saying. Hey, hey, I'm just saying. Uh, so, so click on our logo, and then the next page, um, it, will, it will open up our page, and then there's a little plus sign. And all you have to do is hit that plus sign, and that adds it to your podcast library. And so, how many of you did that for the first time last week? Okay, I see some, I see hands, okay. How many of you are doing it this week? You're saying, I'm going to do that, I'm on it, okay. I, I promise you that this will be a benefit to you. And um, hopefully once we get the word out, we can get that to all of our, our shut-ins and those people that um, maybe travel and they can't be here 
um, every Sunday, and that, that just helps them stay in tune with what's going on here. So when you come in, you don't have to come into a series on week two. You can catch up and be on week one or, or all of those things. So hopefully this helps you in your walk with God. Um, last week, I think we had 17 listens. Is that right, Chad? Or is it 17 new users? New, 17 new views. Okay, 39 listens. So that's awesome. So, uh, so that's 39 people that are listening that are not here. So the message gets out exponentially through media like this. So, all right, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to be in Psalm 23. And uh, we're continuing our series entitled Goodness based on uh, David's writing of Psalm 23. And most of us know David for one of three things. We understand that David was the youngest son of Jesse, that he was the little shepherd boy, that he was in the field um, when they were searching for the new next uh, anointed king of Israel. And you guys remember the story how all of Jesse's sons were, were not it, not it, and then they sent for David, and then David was brought in. The youngest and the scrawniest was anointed as the next king of Israel. So a lot of us remember David from when he was younger. We remember David when he was a giant slayer. And David slew Goliath on the battlefield. And people were chanting his, his praise and his name. And they were writing songs about him, about how Saul killed his thousands, but David killed his ten thousands. And all of Israel was chanting David as being a giant slayer. And then we also know that David is known in the Bible and Scripture as a man after God's own heart. Someone that we could aspire to be like, a, a, a chosen king of Israel. But let me remind you, too, that David's life was not perfect. David's life was a flat-out mess at times. There would be times when he would cheat on his wife with Bathsheba, and then in order to uh, hide his sin, he would be involved in a conspiracy plot to kill her husband, and he actually succeeded, so he has murder under his belt. His son, Amar, would rape his half-sister, Tamar, which would create family friction amongst another brother, Absalom. And Absalom would be so filled with hatred and rage that he would kill his brother as revenge. And then Absalom would, would revolt against his father for the throne of Israel. And he led a revolt of which he died in that attempt to uh, take the throne. And it's there in the middle of life, in the middle of this pain, in the middle of his son's death, in the middle of his, his own sin, of his son's sin, that he pens Psalm 23. And he looks back at his life as a shepherd, and he remembers the Lord's goodness. So today I want to start reading at verse 1. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. So we understood that Psalm 23 is really a psalm about the good shepherd, right? And who is the good shepherd? Jesus. So if Jesus is the good shepherd, what does that make us? Sheep, right? That makes us sheep. And I brought my friend today again. You guys love him. You guys have come to know him and love him, right? We are like sheep. The Bible tells us that we are like sheep over 200 times. That's a lot of times to be reminded that we're like sheep. And the problem with that is, is that sheep are not, it's, it's not very flattering, right? Because sheep are stupid. 
They are. In fact, after church last week, Dennis and Christine, they tracked me down and they said, hey, we used to raise sheep and we could tell you story after story after story about how dumb they are. Right? Sheep are not the brightest animals on the farm. Um, not only are they kind of dumb, but they're also pretty defenseless. I mean, does this strike fear into anybody today? Does anyone fear? Now, let's put the picture of the boa back up there, right? That, that strikes fear into you a little bit, right? How would you like to see that wrapping around your leg, right? This, no, not so much. He's fluffy. Um, look at these little legs. I'm not quite sure he could do anything with these legs. And, they, and their teeth are small. They don't have fangs or nothing like that. So they're pretty defenseless. Um, on top of all of that, sheep need constant maintenance. So, so they need constant care, constant provision. And guess what? We learned last week that the good shepherd takes care of all of those needs. The good shepherd meets all of those needs. So that in the middle of wandering, in the middle of enemies attacking, in the middle of a hopelessness, we find that we have a good shepherd. And the good shepherd takes care of us. So much to the point that David writes, I lack nothing. We have nothing that we need, nothing to worry about. And so today, um, I want to start in on, not only do we have a shepherd, but I want you to know that we can have a serenity. And, um, and I wanted to start today by having a little bit of fun. Can we have some fun in church today? Okay, just me and someone else. All right? You guys want to have a little bit of fun? Can we do fun today? Uh, am I in the wrong church? Right? We can have a little bit of fun today. And I wanted to start, uh, okay, uh, here, let me, put my, let me put my friend down for a second so you guys can see me, right? A few years ago, Jane and I, we made the conscious decision to be cord cutters. Um, now, uh, that means we just cut cable. We're, we're not going to have a cable bill, TV bill, any, any longer. Now, if you have cable, I don't condemn you. In fact, I'm envious. But for us, it just wasn't worth it. I found myself night after night flipping through 175 channels of pure garbage to finally decide on something to watch, and then five minutes later, I'm out cold. So that was my nightly routine, and I'm like, I'm paying entirely way too much for what this is. And so we made this decision that we were going to not watch or not pay for cable TV. So now we are like the millennials. We're like the younger people. We stream everything, right? How many guys are streamers, right? A lot of us, we're streamers. We just stream it. And so now uh, sometimes you're limited on your content, and sometimes the programming is a little outdated. And so uh, I took a very long way to telling you that I've been binge-watching uh, a TV show called Seinfeld. Right? Some of you remember Seinfeld, right? I, I hope you guys are, are fans. And so I've been watching a lot of Seinfeld, um, and I have found out that there are two types of people in this world. Those that like Seinfeld and those that do not, right? I am of the party that loves Seinfeld. My wife is not. She doesn't get it. She doesn't understand it. And, and so we were having this conversation the other day. She walks in and she was like, oh, how did I get stuck with Seinfeld again? And I reminded her, I said, your problem is not Seinfeld. Your problem is me, right? You're stuck with me and I like Seinfeld. She's like, oh. she, she lovingly reassured me, Kenny, you're not, you're not the problem. Right? You're a blessing. Oh, my word. Love, love again. So we go by the associative role in our house. Jane loves me. I love Seinfeld. <laughs> Therefore, Jane tolerates Seinfeld. Right? Is that, that might be how it works in your house, too. Um, so now, I want to show a clip of Seinfeld, but before I do, let me set this up. If you remember in the show, Jerry is the main character. Jerry is kind of a normal guy, but he has two friends, 
um, George and Kramer. And George is wound too tightly, right? He, and Kramer is not wound not tightly enough. And so those are his two friends, and they're always um, interjecting in some type of hijinks and all of there. But if you can remember, George is like always one degree shy of erupting like a volcano. I mean, he's always like right there, ready to just, I mean, he's full of stress, full of anxiety. Um, and then as the show progresses, you understand why George is like this, because they introduce George's parents. And they're wound even tighter. And they're full of stress, and they're always arguing, they're always fighting. And in 1997, they introduced a phrase into pop culture called serenity now. Some of you guys know where I'm going with this, right? Now, uh, serenity now is, is, comes from George's father, Frank Costanza. He was prescribed by his doctor because of his stress, anxiety, blood pressure levels to listen to self-help cassette tapes. And on the cassette tape, the guru encourages Frank that every time he feels his blood pressure rising to say serenity now. Serenity now, serenity now. But in true hothead fashion, he can never just say serenity now. He has to yell it. So it's always serenity now, right? So it's not serenity now, serenity. It's serenity now. So he's always yelling it in this anger way. So I, I, I took a long way to set up this short little clip that I want to show you today about serenity now. So go ahead and play that. I got no leg room back here. Move your seat forward. It's as far as it goes. There's a mechanism. You just pull it and throw your body weight. I pulled it. It doesn't go. If you want the leg room, say you want the leg room. Don't blame the mechanism. All right, Dad, we're five blocks from the house. Sit sideways. Like an animal. Because of her, I have to sit here like an animal. Serenity now! Serenity now! What is that? Doctor gave me a relaxation cassette. When my blood pressure gets too high, the man on the tape tells me to say, Serenity now! Are you supposed to yell it? The man on the tape wasn't specific. <laughs> What happened to the screen door? It blew off again? I told you to fix that thing. Serenity, no! <laughs> okay, so that's the little clip. Uh, there is lots and lots more where the other characters adopt Serenity now. Um, now, today I want to talk to you about Serenity. And I wish that we could just achieve Serenity by yelling it. But it's saying serenity now, every time that we're stressed or every time there's a problem, but we know that we cannot achieve serenity like that. Now, serenity, let me define that. It is the state of being calm, peaceful, and untroubled. That sounds a little bit like heaven, doesn't it? Serenity. And Psalm 23 is all about serenity. It's about a peaceful, tranquil, untroubled relationship with the shepherd. If you read Psalm 23, which we just did, there is language in there like, I lack nothing. I have no needs. Um, he leads me beside still waters. And he leads me into green pastures. He leads me into the right paths, which is right paths in life. In the darkest valleys, I have no fear. I have a place in the midst of my enemies. Surely goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. See, Psalm 23 is all about serenity. It's all about peace. It's all about being calm. It's all about being untroubled. And I wish that we could just say it and attain it, but we can't. We have to rely on a shepherd. And so today I want to look at four ways the shepherd gives us serenity, or four ways the shepherd gives us peace or, or calm or takes away our trouble. And today I'm gleaning a little bit of information from a man by the name of Philip Keller. Philip Keller was a sheep herder um, for years and years and years before God called him into the pastorate and he began pastoring a church. But he wrote a book entitled A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. And he gives us great insight into how sheep behave and sheep act. 
And so today I'm looking at four ways the shepherd gives us peace. And the very first requirement, so the very first way that, that, um, that the shepherd gives us serenity is that he removes our fear. He removes our fears. Um, let's bring out my cute little friend here. What a cute little guy. So, um, I, I kind of affectionately call him Mutton Chop. So, Mutton Chop. Um, I like Gyro, too. That's good. Um, but Jim made fun of me last week, so I was thinking about calling him Jimmy. Right? So, uh, so I don't know. I've not, maybe we'll have a contest. You can name them. Um, but if you look at my little friend here, Mutton Chop, I'll call him Mutton Chop, or Gyro. You guys like Gyro's better? Uh, Jehovah Gyro. <laughs> you call him Jehovah Gyro. Uh, that is not scriptural at all. Um, but if you look at him, this is, you, you already know, this is not an apex predator here, right? He, there, there's nothing to be fearful about. In fact, um, we talked last week um, extensively about this little guy has absolutely no defense mechanisms other than to flee. And it can only flee so fast with these short little legs. They don't, they don't run very fast. So they're pretty much sitting ducks to every animal that's out there. Um, according to sheep101.info, and again, yes, that's a real website, sheep have many natural predators, coyotes, wolves, foxes, bears, dogs, eagles, bobcats, mountain lions, etc., etc., etc. Basically, any predator animal that is looking for easy prey. They're just looking for something to pick off. Um, so these little guys spend their entire lives being fearful of every other creature. So they, they actually, they look over their shoulders quite frequently because they're always trying to see what's behind them and what's around them. They're always skittish. They're always looking behind and, and wondering um, who's, who's trying to get them, who's trying to attack. They're always worrisome and fearful about their surroundings. Do you know any people that are like that? I do. Um, does it sound like anything in our culture today? Yes, it sounds a lot like our culture today. See, we live in a culture... Let me set him down for a sec. We live in a culture that values uh, productivity. We value productivity. And, we, and because of that, uh, we value stress and we value exhaustion. So in our culture today, we run the rat race, and that rat race is to produce more. I worked for a while in a production plant, and the two most common phrases that I heard were, were work harder and work faster. You guys might attest that that sounds a lot like my job. That's what I get told a lot. Work harder, work faster. Um, we live in a culture that values productivity. A lot of people ask you, hey, how was your day today? And then you say, oh, it was good, it was bad, it was okay. And then they ask a follow-up question. Did you, what did you do? Did you get anything done today? And, and, and it's, it's all about uh, us feeling good about ourselves when we feel like we got a lot done. And when we don't feel like we get a lot done, we feel bad about ourselves. We're like, oh, man, today was a bad day because it just wasn't as productive as it could have been. Uh, I found a quote this week by Paul Heyman, and, and um, he's one of the wrestlers, and he said this about his former WWE wrestling CEO, Vince McMahon, and Paul Heyman said this. He said, I have absolutely nothing bad to say about Vince McMahon, his work ethic, his willingness to put in 20, 22-hour days, seven days a week, 365 days a year, for 40 years, is why we are all fabulously wealthy, and he will never get the credit that he deserves or that he earned. So that's a, a quote by him. See, we value people working 20 to 22 hours a day, seven days a week for 40 years. That sounds off to me. 
Um, our world values productivity maybe above anything else. And the problem with that is, is that so many times our identity becomes synonymous with our productivity. And we find out who we are based on what we can produce. And when we produce more, we feel like we had a good day. And when we produce less, we feel like we had a bad day. Well, let me tell you something that you probably already know, that these cute little fuzzy guys, sheep, were not designed for productivity. They're, they're not like a horse. They're not like a mule. No, they're sheep. They weren't designed for productivity. Let me tell you that we as sheep in the kingdom of God, our, our, our relationship with God, our self-esteem, our identity is not based on our productivity. See, a lot of times we feel like if I can just do more for God, if I can just be more for God, if I can just pray more, if I can just read my Bible more, if I can just serve more, then maybe God would like me more, or maybe God would answer this, or maybe God would do something. Let me tell you this today, church, that Christianity, our relationship with God, is not about what we can do for God. It's about what's already been done. That's, our, that's where our relationship with him is. The price has already been paid. Salvation has already been worked out. It's already been accomplished. Green pastures and still waters are already provided for us by the good shepherd. So we don't have to go out and feel stress. And we don't have to go out and feel anxiety because of our productivity. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, this is what Jesus says. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and in, I'm humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, sheep go around their entire lives, entire lives, and they're always looking over their shoulder. This one doesn't bend too much. But they're always looking over their shoulder. What's over here? What's over there? What's behind me? And they're worried about their surroundings constantly, thinking that something is going to get them. And you know what relieves their fears? When they see the shepherd. And they see his staff. And they know that they can find rest because the shepherd is near to them. The shepherd is constantly pulling guard duty. I want you to know that today, that, that God is always pulling guard duty 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He's on guard. He's guarding your life and protecting your life so you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to stress about it. Secondly, the second requirement that must be met in order for sheep to feel serenity is not just fears have to be um, relieved, but friction has to be resolved. God resolves our friction. Well, what on earth are we talking about friction, right? These little guys are not very aerodynamic, right? Uh, I don't think you're going to re, you know, relieve a lot of friction on this guy. What are we talking about friction? These guys are not streamlined for, for fast running. That's not what I'm talking about today. Sheep are not solitary animals. You always find sheep living in close proximity with one another. They live in communities. And sometimes living in communi communities creates friction. I figured I would get an amen there. Right? You guys are just scared to death. You guys are still looking over your shoulder, aren't you? Right? Uh, Jane and I, we went to... Uh, we went to visit Mercedes here just about uh, two weeks ago. And while we were down in Missouri, we went to one of those animal safari drive through places. Super awesome, man. I recommend going on one. And so they have an old school bus um, that they took out all the windows and all that stuff. And you can feed the animals right out of the bus window. And they drive you through and drive you around. And there's all sorts of cool animals. And you might have seen some pictures of us feeding uh, giraffes on Facebook and all of that stuff. But when you get back to the back part of it, 
all these animals are just kind of roaming around and they're all just wild and they're all free. Um, but the very first animal that you encounter are the camel. And the camels um, are aggressive in their pursuit of the bus because they know that the food is on there. And so we're going there and we're looking at the camels and we're feeding the camels, but then the bus driver comes on and says, hey, I'm gonna have to speed this up and get away from the camels because we won't be able to see any of the other animals because the camels are bullies and the camels will dominate uh, the bus and they'll take all of the food for themselves. Um, and sometimes when we live in communi communities, we have those types of issues, right? Sheep have those, type, those same type of issues. Um, sheep feel stress and they feel friction and they feel anxiety in their community, maybe because another sheep wants the food that it has. And you know what it does? That other sheep just comes right up to it and pushes it out of the way to get that food. And so now that sheep feels a little stress or a little anxiety. So they fight over food. They don't just fight over food. They fight over maybe a territory or a space. And so maybe a sheep says, hey, this is my six-foot radius. Don't come in my bubble, right? And they're very protective of, of their space. And, and, uh, and, and they'll butt out other sheep because of that. Maybe sheep feel a little bit um, stress or anxiety because... Maybe they're sweet on another sheep, and they're defining an affection for another one, but yet this other one has it, and they're caught kind of in this little love triangle amongst the sheep, and, and there's a tension and a stress there because of it. See, sheep feel friction living in a community when boundaries are being crossed. And I want you to know today that we too are like sheep that live in communities. Our personhoods are made for community. I don't know about you, but, but we're designed for community. God designed us to be with each other. Amen? Amen. See, COVID-19 struck, and we had to social distance, and we had to quarantine, and we had to do all of those things. But I'll let you know, I got cabin fever. I can't live within a couple little walls. That ain't me. I got to be out roaming around. I got to be out on... I got to be talking. Listen, I talk to people for a living. That's what I do. I'm, around, I'm in a people business, and I love it. So you take me out of that, what do I do? I'm talking to a camera. It's not the same. I, get, I had a little stress. I don't know about you. How many of you guys got cabin fever, right? Had to get out. Had to do something, right? See, many of us experienced something that we already knew isolation is not good for us mentally that you and i are designed for community however living in community does pose problems let's be real how many of you guys living in community ever had just a little bit of friction with another community member right it happens church people might have a little bit of friction with another church person it happens it's it's just natural. Um, some people, we have friction when other people, uh, I guess, they don't stay in their lane. Is that what the kids call it today? They're not in their lane. And they want to know your business, their business, and everybody else's business. Right? And, and, and that creates friction amongst us. It even happens in church sometimes. Everyone feels angry when someone always has this opinion and that opinion is 99.9% .9 negative, right? Like, I don't need negative energy in my life, right? Sometimes in church we have this dirty four-letter word that happens called drama, right? Drama, guys, I know. I was a youth pastor for like eight years. I know drama. It happens. Drama happens when maybe one bullish sheep creates stress and tension amongst the whole flock. It happens. It ought not to be. Let me tell you this, that now more than ever, maybe in the history of our world, the church needs to be unified. Right? It is a plan of the devil to divide us. 
It's a plan of the devil um, to come in and to separate us and alienate us from one from another. That's not who we strive to be. We strive to be a unified church where it doesn't matter who you are or what social status are. You belong, and we're all part of a family, right? There are no separate classes or separate types of people. There is, there is no strong and weak. Galatians 3.28, Paul writes it like this. In a unified church, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor there is male or female, but you are all one in Christ Jesus. That's who we're supposed to be, and that's who we strive to be. That's who I want to be. Let me talk to you real quickly about the, one of the greatest sins I think that is in our country right now. It's developed probably in the last five years, and it's something that's called, uh, uh, what's it called? Cancel culture. The cancel culture. That simply means that if I don't like what you're doing and I don't like what you're saying, then I'm just going to cancel you. We're going to write you out. We are going to uh, shun you from a societal um, like a group. Like we're just going to make you no longer exist. So if I don't like something you say, then I'm going to ghost you. I'm going to ignore you and pretend you don't exist. And if you do something bad, if you have a failure, then you know what? We're going to kick you out of your job. We're going to kick you out of the NFL. We'll kick you out of public office. We'll force you to resign from your job. And if you're the owner of a company, we'll refuse to buy your products. And we'll just write you all out of it. Well, let me tell you this. Cancel culture comes from the pit of hell. It does. Let me be loud, loud and clear that in the kingdom of God, in his people, in this church, we don't cancel people. We don't cancel them because they make a mistake. We don't cancel them because they, uh, they didn't, you know, knock it out of the park or because they failed at some. You know, you can't extend love. You can't extend God's love or God's mercy or God's grace while you're canceling people. I am thankful that the Lord doesn't cancel me. Amen. That when I make a mistake and I mess up and I sin, that the Lord doesn't write me off and shun me and take me out to the outer courts and say, we're going to do this until you straighten up. It's not about that. It's about love and forgiveness and mercy. Sheep have friction because they live in communities. And in, communicate, and in communities, um, it's bound to happen. We're human. Friction happens over big things, little things. Did any of you raise kids? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? We raised kids. Did your kids ever have friction amongst them? Right? Just a little bit, right? Um, you ever have one kid playing with one toy and then the other kid wants that toy? Always, right? Well, why does that kid want that other toy? Because the other one's playing with it for no other reason. And then as soon as they get it, they throw it down because they, don't, they didn't really want it to begin with. They wanted friction. And there's this jostling um, amongst themselves. But you know what relieves sheep from friction? It's simple as the presence of the Savior. Uh, I'm sorry, the shepherd in our, in our illustration here. The shepherd shows up, and the shepherd's presence is, is, is enough to relieve friction. Let me put it like this. Your kids are fighting. They're all stressed out um, because their anxiety, there's friction there. They're fighting over the same toy. They're misbehaving. You know what has to happen in order for them to stop misbehaving? Dad has to show up, and dad gives them the look. You guys know what I'm talking about, the dad stare. Um, I have a picture. Samuel Jackson does the dad stare better than anybody I know. Do we have that picture, Brock? Right there. <laughs> you, guys, you guys have seen that stare in your dad before, right? You know what that stare says? Straighten up, right? Because in two seconds, I'm going to erupt, and it ain't going to be good. So you better behave yourself. The shepherd's presence is all it takes to relieve friction amongst the sheep. And so in the presence of the shepherd, conflict ceases. So I want to tell you today that if you have stress, if you have anxiety, if you're having uh, drama, if you're having friction um, in, the, in a community sense, 
Invite the Savior into it. Invite the presence of Jesus into it. Invite him to come in and be a part of that, that system, that routine, that drama, that conflict, and see if the pressure doesn't release. Invite Jesus into it. So sheep need to feel free from threats, free, feel free from friction with others. Thirdly, they need to, in order to feel serenity, they need to feel freedom from pest. See, it's reassuring to us that the shepherd fights off lions and bears, the big things. That's reassuring to me that God takes care of all of our big problems. He takes care of all of the things that's trying to, that he's already defeated Satan. But there are things that are equally devastating in our lives than the big things, and that is little things. You know, it's the little things that get us sometimes, isn't it? It's the little things. It's the bugs. Look at this little guy. It's parasites that weave their way into, into, the, into the wool. And the parasites will get in there under that wool, right on that skin. And they'll start sucking the blood and they'll start causing infections. I don't know about you, but I've had some bug bites before. They're not fun. They're irritating. Jane and I had bird mites one time, and they got in our skin, and it was just, it was extremely painful, and, uh, and they're microscopic. You know what the good shepherd does? The good shepherd comes, and the good shepherd will go through that wool, and he'll go through it inch by inch, and he'll pick off every little tick, and he'll pick off every little parasite, and he'll pick off every little bug. And that's what the Good Shepherd does in our lives, too. The Good Shepherd goes through our lives like a, a fine-tooth fine comb. And he gets rid of everything that causes us pain. Well, what does parasites and bugs look like in a Christian's life? You know, it's like bad attitudes. It's the little things. It's maybe having a spirit of pessimism, you know, like where you don't think anything can happen, like you're always down, you always think the worst, it's a lack of faith. You know what, maybe um, it's the small sins, the sins that you don't even realize you're committing. Maybe it's the sins that nobody else notices, but you know what, they suck us dry nevertheless, and the Savior comes through, and he starts Revealing to us those things in our lives that need to go. You need to get rid of this. You need to get rid of that. And he starts picking it, and he makes us clean. But you know what? After everything's gone, there's still sores, and there's still infection. And so what happens is a shepherd will take his lamb like this, and, and a lot of times in David's time, they would take that lamb, and they would dip that lamb into oil. And that oil would help cure all of those little... Um, infections. And not only that, the oil would prevent further bugs from getting in, into the wool. You know what the oil is to us? It's the presence of the Holy Spirit. God brings the Holy Spirit into our lives, and the Holy Spirit begins to work on our lives and to take out all of the bugs and then bring us healing and then rid us from all of those things. Psalm 103.12 says this, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. God picks everything out of our lives and removes it. Lastly, real quick, and, and uh, I know I'm running a little late on time. Uh, you guys are going to like this point. But uh, the fourth thing that needs to be met, the fourth requirement sheep need to feel serenity, uh, the fourth thing the Savior does for us, is uh, he puts food in their stomach. <laughs> he feeds us. I, it's very fitting that the clock just stuck, struck 12 noon, right? And I'm talking about food. He, he feeds us. This, this sounds very Pentecostal to me, right? Maybe I should have started with this one, right? We, we like food. And uh, Philip Keller writes in his book, he says, you know what, the only thing that can settle the sheep down um, when they're hungry is them getting a bite to eat. 
getting food. Because they know that, they know that their basic needs are being met when they have food. You know what? When we have a hunger pain, some of you get hunger pains. You know what? Sometimes you can't think about anything else. I've got to get this in my belly before I can move on. I'm starting to get a headache. I'm starting to not feel good. Um, last week, I talked to you real quickly. Psalm 23 says this. It says, he leads me beside green pastures. And I showed you a picture. And Brock, if you could put this picture up real quick. Um, this is what we think of as green pastures. This is uh, an Americanized version of green pastures. And when we say he leads us beside green pastures, this is oftentimes the mental picture that you and I get. However, this is not accurate. Because in the Middle East, in Israel, where David was growing up, there wasn't grass like that. There's still not grass like that. It looks a little bit more like the next picture, Brock. And I showed you this last week. It looks rocky, and it looks desolate. However, there are strands of grass that are growing up. And that's what happens is, is that the shepherd is, is preparing a place like this. What I didn't tell you last week is that these places don't just grow naturally. The shepherd has to cultivate that. So while sheep are in one field and sheep are grazing in one field and the resources are drying up and things are starting to get bleak and things are starting to get desolate, the shepherd already has in mind something better, something else that will, that will give his sheep provision. He's already tearing up dry ground. He's already uh, harvesting um, grass there so that his sheep can um, have something to eat. And so if you're feeling stressed and you're feeling frustrated or you're feeling anxiety in the place that you're at and you're seeing your resources shrink up, know that God has a provision for you just over here. That's how it works. So when we can't see it, we can't know it, you have to trust that the shepherd knows it. Lamentations chapter 3, uh, the author here, he was, felt like a sheep going through a bad time there. He says this in verse 10, Like a bear lying in wait, like a lion in hiding, he dragged me from the path and he mangled me and he left me without help. If you skip down to verse 17, I've been deprived of peace. That sounds like a terrible, that sounds like George Costanza, right? I've been deprived of peace. It's been so long that I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say my splendor is gone and all that I hope from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Now this is a place of anxiety. This is a place of stress. This is a place where, um, where you feel the weight of the world on your shoulders. But then he says in verse 21, he says, This is how I feel, yet this I call to my mind. Um, yes, I remember this. And because of what I'm remembering, that I have hope. Verse 22, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions, they never fail. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. So I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks for him. Amen? Isn't that awesome that, that every morning the Lord's provision is new to us? His mercies are new to us. I'm going to end real quick on this story because in Psalm 23, it tells us that David writes, he leads me beside still waters. There's a reason why the Lord leads his sheep beside still waters because sheep are scared to death of flowing waters. The reason why is they're scared to death to fall in. Um, it's, uh, there's a reason for that. Let me get my sheep back out. See, um, now this sheep has very thin wool, but sometimes sheep have a lot more wool on them. And they're scared of water because if they fall into water, what happens is their, their fleece here, their, their, their wool, will soak up that water. And then it gets really heavy. And the sheep or the lamb will drown in, in the weight of the water. 
And so they're scared to death of running water. And oftentimes what happens is, is that the shepherd will lead them beside still waters. Well, those aren't always found. So, so what the, the shepherd will do is he'll create a dam and he'll take flowing water and he'll dam it up so that there is still water for his sheep to drink from. So what that means to us, church, today is that the Lord provides for you in ways that are real, ways that, you can, that are palatable to you, ways that you can understand, ways that you can feel. Yes, he has all of heaven open to us. He has all this glory and all this majesty, but he reveals himself in ways that you and I understand. You and I, you and I in ways that we can accept. So the bottom line is this, and you could write this down. The good shepherd knows what you need when you need it. Those are the most important things. He knows exactly what you need. And he knows when you need it. And in my experience, the Lord is always right on time. He's never early, but thank God he is never late. He's always in his perfect timing. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? And I just want to say a prayer with you today as we close. And, and I know we're a little over time, but that's okay. We're in the house of the Lord, and I think he's working on us. Because I know some people in this place, you might have come into this place, and you might have felt a little stress. You might have feel anxiety in your life. You might be tired of dealing with one thing after another after another. Maybe you're here today and you say, man, I am so guilty of just looking over my shoulder and I'm looking at what's happening in the world. I'm looking at what's happening in the government. I'm looking at what's happening, you know, our economic situations, our school situations. I'm looking at health care issues. And, and, and we're just constantly looking over our shoulder and, and we're fearful because there's just so many things out there. Let me remind you today that the Good Shepherd is on 24-hour-a-day watch duty. And he never leaves us. And he never forsakes us. He is the one that's guarding our life. Maybe you're here today and you feel like, man, I've, I've just had this friction with, with something in my life. There's friction with another person. There's, there's friction at my workplace. There's friction in, in the family. There's friction over there. Let me encourage you today. Invite God's presence into that. Invite the shepherd's presence into your problems, into your frictions. Maybe it's the little parasites, the little things in life that are irritating you. Uh, invite the Holy Spirit to go over your life and to, to fine-tune fine it and to bring you healing. I want you to know today, church, that the shepherd meets all of our needs. Dear Heavenly Father, God, today, Lord, we've heard your word. Lord, your word is true, God. You're, you bring us hope, and you bring us peace, and you bring us uh, a serenity, God, that the world knows nothing about. And so, God, today, we don't have to live with stress. We don't have to live in anxiety, but, God, that we can live in serenity and perfect peace and perfect harmony. Lord, unbothered by the, the troubles and the trials of this world, because we know we have a shepherd that is close to us. Lord, I pray today that we would live by that standard. Lord, I pray that in your name. Amen. 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 Hey, God bless you, church. You guys are, are dismissed today. I'm always up here if you want to pray. Go ahead and grab me. Hey, grab your bulletin. Remember, we have lots of things going on, the pool party and uh, Wednesday nights and all of that stuff. Uh, hey, if you like this message, Get it on your podcast and listen to it again. <laughs>